again. I just kind of hope that your turn comes as well and that you get a weekend or two away. We're going to look at Psalm 17 this morning. And so if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to that, uh, then I'll just read that particular psalm to you. Psalm 17 is a, a prayer of David. Hear, O Lord, my righteous plea. Listen to my cry. Give ear to my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. May my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. Though you probe my heart and examine me at night, though you test me, you will find nothing. I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. As for the deeds of men, by the word of your lips I have kept myself from the ways of the violent. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Show the wonder of your great love, you who save by your right hand, those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who assail me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. They close up their callous hearts and their mouths speak with arrogance. They've tracked me down. They now surround me with eyes alert to throw me to the ground. They're like a lion, hungry for prey, like a great lion crouching in cover. Rise up, O Lord. Confront them. Bring them down. Rescue me from the wicked by your sword. O Lord, by your hand, save me from such men, from men of this world, whose reward is in this life. You still the hunger of those you cherish. Their sons have plenty, and they store up wealth for their children. And I, in righteousness, I will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. So this particular psalm was written uh, at a, a difficult time in David's life. It was a time when he was being persecuted by Saul. Uh, uh, he, was, he felt victimised misunderstood, persecuted. It happens to us all, doesn't it? From time to time we go through periods uh, when exactly those kinds of things are happening to us. And we feel as though, well, it's just not fair. Uh, And our enemies uh, are are rising up against us. And yet that's exactly what Jesus told us to expect, isn't it? John chapter 15, verses 18 to 20. If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So in in Psalm 17, David cries out to the Lord. And as believers, that's what we do, isn't it? When when things start to go wrong, hopefully he's our first port of call. Uh, It's like the the speed dial on your mobile phone, if you've got that far. The ICE, in case of emergency, God. First port of call. 
He's the one that we turn to, to Father, Daddy, come on, help me. So what the question is, and the question that vexed David somewhat, is, well, is God listening? Because he asked that question right at the beginning, doesn't he? He said, Lord, give ear, listen. It's almost as though maybe he thought, perhaps, well, maybe God isn't listening. I mean, after all, he's so busy. There are so many things that God is involved in. Is he actually listening to me? That was David's concern. And when you think about it, it's quite an issue, isn't it? All the millions of people all around the world, any one given moment in time, how many of them are praying? How many of them are seeking God? How many are crying out to him? In the film, Bruce Almighty, uh, there's a particular sort of clip there where, where Bruce, who's been given for a moment divine powers, is suddenly confronted with what it's like to be God. Well, you took the job, Bruce, so I suggest you get to it. Seeing him smile would make me so happy. Prayers, prayers, okay, prayers. Uh, this creepy whisper thing has to end. Organization, and management. That's what I need. I need a system, something concrete. Concentrate. Files. Let all prayers be organized into files. Well, that takes care of the voices. Not exactly a space saver, though. Grace might notice. I know. Prayer post-its! That's the issue that we would face if we were having to listen to all of these prayers. But that's not one of God's problems. It's not like that with him. God is well able to hear each and every one of our prayers all at the same time, to give individual attention to each and every one of us. That said, David still feels as though he's got to almost get himself to the top of the list. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever, possibly not, and some of you probably will have, put, had to put an, an advert somewhere, Gumtree, uh, eBay, or any of those sort of places. Uh, and as soon as you've got your advert composed and you put it up there, you want people to, hit, to, to pay attention to it, to notice it. And so what they say is, get yourself to the top of the list by doing this and this. Uh, and, and if you do this and this, and sometimes it means paying a bit extra, then you get to the top of the list. And David felt he maybe needed to get to the top of the list. It was his crisis. Uh, there were issues that he was facing. And he needed to make sure that God was not only listening, but that he was really going to pay attention to the things that he had to say. And so he feels as though he's got to make a case out for himself. And verses 1 to 5, in a sense of David making a plea to God based on his behaviour. Uh, and so we see a number of things. He's saying, God, you can trust me. You can trust me. My lips uh, uh, always speak 
the truth. It's a bit like that joke about the politician, you know, isn't it? You know, it's an old one, I know, but you know, when he scratched his ear, he was telling the truth. When he rubbed his nose, he was telling the truth. When he opened his lips, then he was lying. Uh, and you know, David said, I'm not like that, God. I'm not like that. You can trust me uh, because my, my lips always speak the truth. But more than that, I've kept my heart pure. You can check it out. Even creeping at night time, you'll find nothing there that will need to worry you. I've kept my heart pure. I've been observant of your word. And David loved the word of God. We see it time and time again reflected in the the many different psalms that he wrote. And one psalm in particular, uh, Psalm 119, uh, verses 47 to to 48, he explains with a look how he feels about God's word when he says, For I delight in your commands, because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Uh, Psalm 119, again, right at the beginning. Uh, Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. So David was somebody who loved God's word and sought to live his life by, his, by its principles. He also said, I've practiced restraint. Uh, I've not given in to sort of those, those, lustly, uh, those fleshly lusts. Well, actually, we know there was at least one occasion when he did that. But by and large, he, was, he practiced restraint. And I've walked in your ways. And again, check it out. There's been no slip-ups, he says. Been no slip-ups. And so he's trying to justify himself. Do you ever feel that way when you come to pray? Particularly if you've been out of sorts with God. You're almost embarrassed to come into his presence. People often do that, don't they? When things are going wrong in their lives, they don't turn up at church. Because they're embarrassed. They say, no, I'll come when I've got it sorted. And sometimes we're a bit like that with God. Lord, I'll come to you when when my life's in a better place. Because I've not been doing things as I should. And I know you're not going to listen to me as long as I've I've been like I have. Is that the way that God really works? Do we have to justify ourselves before God, before he'll listen to our prayers? People often feel that way. And and sometimes the Bible maybe even uh, gives a little bit of credence to that way of thinking. James, to take a a New Testament passage, chapter 5, verse 16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. In other words, be righteous and your prayers will work. Trust me. Keep your heart pure. Be observant to my word. Practice restraint. Walk in God's ways. Then and then only will God listen to your prayers. You know what that means, don't you? I'm in serious trouble. I'll not speak for you because I don't know what kind of life you live. But I know I'm in trouble. If God will only hear me when I'm getting it right, if God will only hear me when I'm living that perfect life, I'm in serious trouble. Because God's not going to listen to the things that I'm going to say because I know my... my I know what my life is like. I'm not saying it's, it's terribly bad, but I know that it's not what it ought to be all the time. So what is James meaning then? What is he referring to? Actually, if you look at the sort of context surrounding that verse in James, it's really sort of saying, look, you know, well, is anyone suffering? Then pray. What about cheerfulness or, or sickness or sin? In every case, James says, pray about it. 
Why? Because prayer is effective. And that's the point that James is making. Prayer is effective. The righteous man, hey, if you love Jesus, we're all clothed in his righteousness. It's not saying we've got to be perfect. It's simply making a plea and making a case for the fact that prayer is effective. God hears his people. God acts on their behalf. Oops. He even draws reference uh, in, the, in that passage to Elijah. Uh, and he says, he says, you know, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently. So what does Elijah have to do with our prayer? Does it mean that Elijah was righteous? So that his prayers worked? No. What he's saying is, he was just like us. Just an ordinary person. With, with, with faults and failures, just like everybody else. But he prayed and God answered. Why? Because prayer is always effective. So the focus is not on me and whether I'm worthy enough. The focus is on God and the fact that he loves me and when I cry out to him as my father, my heavenly father, he will always, always respond to my prayer. Well, not always necessarily give me exactly what I want because that might not be what's best for me. But he will hear and he will always respond. God is listening and we can rely upon him. Oops, sorry, catch up with myself. God is listening and we can rely upon him to hear our prayers. He inclines his ear to us. Just like often a mother does to a child. I know what it's like in our house when we've got the grandchildren staying over. I think she's asleep, my wife. But in the, the slightest muffle from the room next door, she's up, out of bed. She's in there looking through the door. Everything's all right. How does she do that? She tells me I sleep blissfully unaware through it all. From the moment my head hits the pillar to the moment they around about six o'clock in the morning when they're seriously needing attention. But anything in between that, I don't hear a thing. But she does that because even though she's even when she's asleep, her ear is inclined to that faintest cry that makes a spring into action. God is like that. His ear is inclined to us. He hears even the faintest cry. Uh, every single one of us. Psalm 40 verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. It's interesting, isn't it? The very first thing we do when we're born is we cry. In fact, nobody's happy until we've cried. As soon as we cry, they all go, oh yeah, lovely, lovely, because we've cried. He's not asking for eloquent prayers. He's not asking for well-thought-out prayers. He's not asking for scripted prayers. He's simply asking that we cry out to him. He's not even asking for words because the Holy Spirit can interpret the groanings in our hearts when we cry out to the Lord. Psalm 145, verse 18, The Lord is near to all who call on him. And then Proverbs 15, 29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous, of his children, of those that love him. Now, what is David's cry? Well, David's cry is a cry for revelation. He cried out to God to turn up and to show himself to his oppressors. Verses 7 to 9. He wanted his God to let others see 
what he saw. To see God as he saw God. To see the heart of God. He wanted them to see the wonder of his great love. That's verse 7. He wanted them to see the salvation for those who take refuge in him. That's verse 7. He said, let them see your love for me. That's verse 8. Let them see that I'm the apple of your eye. Let them see that you hide me in the shadow of your wings. That's verse 8. There's a lesson here for us. Because very often when things are going badly, when we're cornered, when people are getting at us, when we feel that the things that people are saying are unjustified, when we feel we're being victimised, in all of those sort of situations, what we want them to see is the judgment of God, the wrath of God, the, you know, sorry, the lightning from heaven touch. Zoom! And they, that's what we, inside, if we're honest, that's what we want them to see. David says, I don't necessarily want to see that, Lord. I know that if they don't change their ways, that's likely to happen. But what I really want more than anything else is that they see you as I see you. That they know your love like I know your love. That they understand what it means to be sheltered in the shadow of the wings of the Almighty like I know that. His first instinct is they might see a God who loves them. A good shepherd who cares for his sheep, who lays down his life for his sheep. Of course, that was was familiar sort of uh, thought process for David, the shepherd, wasn't it? He understood what it was to, to be a shepherd, to care for sheep, to, to, to stand in the firing line, as it were, to lay down one's life. Not that they should necessarily see judgment. That's the lovely thing about the gospel. The gospel's good news, isn't it? You know, we don't go out there and say to people, you're all doomed. Well, most people know that. And sooner or later, they're gonna, we're going to have to tell them that as well. But the, what we really want to tell them, the good news is, God loves you. In spite of all you've done, in spite of all that you've sinned, God loves you. He sent his son to die on a cross for you. Jesus rose from the dead. And if right now you'll just put your faith and trust in him, he will cleanse you, forgive you, make you part of his family. That's the good news of the gospel in a nutshell. So I don't want, to, I don't want that. I don't want to hear that. Fine, well you need to hear this. That without that you're doomed. <laughs> for the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life your choice David wanted them to know God's love first but they weren't going to respond to that then they would know all too well the judgment of God in verses 10 to 12 we read something of the profile of the enemy uh, that is coming against David and it could be a description in many ways of society today it's a society that has closed its heart to God. That, that's what his enemies have done. They close their heart to God. And we look around in our society and we see that is exactly what people have done. They've closed their hearts to God. More than that, they've grown in arrogance in the face of God. Isn't it staggering? The things that you hear people say now on, you know, main, mainstream television. The... the the way that they are so arrogant in their, in their defamation of the Almighty. The way they speak 
about our Saviour. The way that mocking tone by which they, they address those who love Jesus, who believe in a God who is the creator of all things and of a Saviour who died for them. A society that's grown in its arrogance. A society that is running to an agenda to discredit believers. And we certainly see that. Where, where our faith, what we believe in, is being undermined, discredited at just about every level. To a point where, or is it just me? It's just beginning to feel a bit marginalised. No longer mainstream. No longer fitting in. Almost frightened at times to open your mouth and speak about the things you believe because you know for a fact you will be condemned outright as being outdated, out of touch, not part of the modern world, and more and more, breaking the law. A society that senses it has us cornered and is gathering for the kill. I believe that. Okay, conspiracy theories, there are those out there who will be delighted to see the demise of the church and of Christianity in our nation. Delighted. And are working to that agenda. And David sensed that about his enemies. And in verses 13 to 15, David appeals to God to take the initiative. I love this bit about this psalm. That he appeals to God to take the initiative. Listen, he could easily have taken the initiative himself. What do I mean by that? Well, he could have taken matters into his own hands. After all, it was David, the shepherd boy, that slew the lion and the bear that came after his sheep. It was David, the shepherd boy, who stood against Goliath when all of the armies of Israel were intimidated. He took them on, the enemy, single-handedly. It was David that the young girls sang about his exploits when they said, Saul's killed his thousands, David's killed his tens of thousands. David could look after himself. But he knew where the power came from. He said, Lord, he said, I don't want to do this. You do this. Let the glory be yours. That same heart was there when he took on Goliath. I'm coming against you, not with, not with sort of a sling and a stone. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So David came, wanting to give God the glory. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so often we can take matters into our own hands instead of leaving it to God. Revenge, justification, impatience are just some of the reasons why we jump in and jump the gun. Isaiah thirty fifteen. We need to learn to wait upon the Lord in quietness and confidence that we might know His strength quietness and confidence. Not rushing in all guns blazing. Not taking things into our own hands. Not sort of letting the mouth go before engaging brain. But waiting upon the Lord and letting God do it. Holding your breath. Biting your tongue. Lord, you do it. Do it your way and all the glory will be unto you. So he says to them, verses 13 to 14, Lord, rise up and confront them. Rescue me from uh, the, the wicked by your sword. By your hand save me from such men whose reward is in this life. Interesting that, he, that he, he mentions that, that the reward is in this life. David, even in his moment of crisis, 
have an eye to eternity. Never lose sight of that. Whatever the crisis you face, whether it's illness, whether it's, whether it's uh, employment, whether it's some other, whatever the trouble, whatever it is, always have the eye to the eternal. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. It's only going to be temporary. Okay? God has planned a better place. One day we'll be with him. So David had the eye to the eternal. And this led us to his conclusion, which was a cry of confident assurance. He got hold of the, of the big picture. Sometimes, you know, when, when we're in our crises, we sort of get into that downward spiral uh, of self-pity and all the rest of it, and we get lower and lower, and God gets further and further away. And David, at this point, rises up above all of that and says, Lord, you still the hunger of those you cherish. I know what sort of God you are. That's what you do. You provide for our children and our children's children. David knew the goodness of God in his life. And in his time of crisis, he hung on to that. He knew what kind of a God he was. However God was going to act in this situation, he knew the goodness of his God. And that whatever the outcome, that God, the God of all the earth, would do right. And then he says, and what's more, I will see your face. No matter how badly it turns out, I'm going to see your face. Even if this goes completely wrong and I'm the one that gets killed, I will see your face. And what's more, seeing you will be enough. I will be satisfied, he says. I will be satisfied. So I just need to ask the question, don't I? Is he enough for you? Is he enough for you? I used to sing a song, uh, oh, years and years and years ago. I've not sung it for a long, long time. None but Christ can satisfy None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy. Lord Jesus found in thee. None but Christ can satisfy. None other name. He's enough. Whatever else is going on, he's enough. However bad it is, he's enough. Even if it's going to go terribly, terribly long, he's enough. Because in the end, the Lamb wins. And eternity is ours. We started with a clip from Bruce Almighty who thought that he could do God's job and found out that he couldn't. Uh, but in the process, he learned a lot about prayer. He learned particularly that prayer needed to be sincere, that it needed to come right from the heart, and it was God's glory and the blessing of others was the thing that really mattered and not his own selfishness. down in the middle of a highway and live to talk about it, son. But why? Why now? Bruce, you have the divine spark. You have the gift for bringing joy and laughter to the world. I know. I created you. Quit bragging. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the spark. 
what you want me to do? I want you to pray, son. Go ahead. Use them. Um, Lord, feed the hungry and bring peace to all of mankind. How's that? Great. If you want to be Miss America. <laughs> now, come on. What do you really care about? David did. He prayed. Let's think about this, can we? The prayers that we pray, whatever the crisis we face, let's refine God's heart in that. Seek Him for how we pray, what we pray. But know this He will always hear, and He always will answer our prayers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this Psalm 17, this cry of David. And Lord, we simply ask that you might help us to pray with glad and sincere hearts about the things that really matter to us and to you with a confident assurance that you will hear and answer our prayers. Lord, make us a blessing. Make us a blessing. And may your grace, your mercy and your peace, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be with us all throughout this coming week and forevermore.